Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, August 3rd, 2020. What's going on? How are you? How are you, everybody? You feeling mellow, man? You know something? I got the fucking this song in my head. Anytime I watch the Houston Rockets and I see James Harden, Every time I see him, all I think is, me and Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. (laughs) That dude looks just like Billy Paul. And I know it's wrong. Every time I see him. I mean, I know I'm watching Hoop, but all I'm thinking is, me. Mrs. Jones. <clears throat> what is that song about? Is it about the obvious? Is the dude fucking around? You know, having an affair? Or, as someone suggested on the internet, he's talking about getting high. It was like, oh shit, is there like two meanings? Mrs. Jones, you know, you got a Jones. We're going to meet the same time, you know, tomorrow. Even though we know it's wrong. Right? Um, anyway, I gotta be honest. With you, I actually have really been enjoying the NBA games with the virtual crowd. You know? I think it's all right. The NBA was like notorious for constantly cutting to famous people sitting on the side of the fucking... In the crowd. Like, who gives a fuck? You know? Holy shit, it's, it's the guy from uh, The Phantom. Phantom of the Opera. Look at him. He doesn't like that call. Why do I give a shit? Um, I know there was a bunch of hockey yesterday, but somehow I ended up missing it. I missed all of it. And uh, the, my Bruins lost to the Flyers. And some cunt sent me a fucking email from Philly. Because what else would they be doing other than celebrating a fucking hockey win in August? Fucking douche even brought up the Eagles. It's just like, why would you do that to a Patriots fan? <laughs> We won six. You know, I don't understand bringing bringing up the fucking Eagles. What? Because you won the last one. We beat you the one before. You went one and one with us. You fucking QB puked in the fucking huddle on the final goddamn drive. Great, you finally won a fucking Super Bowl. (laughs) Your first title in sixty years. All right. I mean, I guess if you want to talk shit about it. I actually literally have to remember that loss. That's how many fucking fucking titles we won. Um, and but this is a big thing. How long will it be before the Patriots win another? One? What's going to happen first? Will the Patriots win another Super Bowl or the fucking Flyers? And they have like a fifty-year drought. All right. So was that was that like the playoff game? Bruins Flyers overreaction. Bees in danger of earning low seed from round robin. Uh. Yeah, who I don't, I don't get. I immediately go to the playoffs here. The round robin. Flyers beat Bruins in NHL round robin game. Okay. Flyers stay hot. They stayed hot. Okay. Stayed hot from what? This was like the first game back. You, you're talking about the exhibition? Whether you weigh their last few wins at 
all that much or not, the Philadelphia Flyers remain on a roll. The Flyers beat the Bruins 4-1 in the first NHL return to play round-robin game on Sunday. Heading into the pandemic pause, the Flyers saw a nine-game winning streak end against the Bruins. Being that the Flyers won on Sunday and also their exhibition against the Penguins, this team has been on quite an upward trend. Jesus, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, wouldn't you say? If you fucking won eight games four months ago and had a four-month layoff, I tell you, these guys just keep rolling along. You'd think the last 200 days they didn't play. Um, all right. I guess that's worthy of talking shit. I have no fucking idea. I don't even know what's going on. I mean, are you really going to count this? Are you going to count this as a fucking Stanley Cup win if you win? This was like when the Redskins won that Super Bowl in the early 80s when, like, some of their wins were, like, with like scab players and shit. Um, I don't know. I do know this is, is if there is a way to fuck it up and give somebody an unfair advantage, the NHL will figure out how to do it. So uh, I don't know. I have no idea how the whole round Robin thing wins. Uh, All I know is we're one game back and the flyers beat the Bruins. And evidently they're on one hell of a one game roll. Well, good luck to you and the Flyers, sir. I don't give a shit. I actually like the Flyers. And, uh, you know, I can actually remember when the Bruins won, a, won, the, won their last cup, you know? It's that fucking song uh, Joe Bartnick sings. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? If you have, you must be crying because you know you're close to dying. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? I mean, Jesus Christ. Fucking talking shit, you... <laughs> This time you won, Gerald Ford was in office. The big University of Michigan star. Um, yeah, so there you go. Congratulations to them. Uh, I think the Celtics lost. We lost to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, who are looking great. They were a number one seed in the East. And we're wearing these uniforms. We're like, what the fuck are those? Um, and it said Cream City on them. They had a cream-colored jersey. And it said Cream City. I'm like, what in the fuck is Cream City? Milwaukee's one of my favorite cities. I, uh, I've been there a zillion times. I love it more and more every single time. And I love when people say, hey, where would you live? I said, Milwaukee. They always look at me like I'm fucking around. Which is, I'm like, great. The secret's still not out. All right. Milwaukee, Cream City. I looked it up. Um, and it has to do with the fact that Laverne and Shirley... Got so much dick during that um, sitcom. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Cream City. It's because of the uh, the brick, I guess. That cream-colored brick. Cream City is a cream or light yellow-colored brick made from a clay found around Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the uh, the Menno, Menominee River Valley. It's so weird how we went in there and just committed genocide against the Native Americans, just completely wiped them out and then just na- and then named shit after all of them. Um, on the western bank of Lake Michigan, these bricks were one of the most common building materials used in Milwaukee during the mid and late 19th century, giving the city the nickname Cream City and the bricks the name Cream City Bricks. Characteristics, Cream City bricks are made from a red clay containing elevated amounts of lime and sulfur. This clay is common in regions of Wisconsin 
especially near Milwaukee. When the bricks are fired, they become creamy, yellow in color. And you know something? Dean Del Rey keeps showing me this shit. He goes, he's like on Instagram following uh, this Cheap Houses account. And so many of them are like in the Midwest. And I will tell you something right now. There is nothing more scary than a super old home in the Midwest. Every single one of them looks like fucking Ed Gein is going to be coming down the goddamn stairs. They're absolutely terrifying. Those old houses with the fucking wood and all that, because they're always empty. You know, in the middle of fucking nowhere, and you're like, Jesus Christ. How many crimes against humanity have happened in this fucking house? I saw one in the middle of Kansas. There's a school for sale, an entire fucking public school. You know, big fucking brick, brick-ass building. Enough to hold all those baby boomer kids way back in the day and all the land. They want 25 grand for it. So I was texting some buddies of mine that make movies. I'm like, you should fucking buy this thing. You, you'll have a location for the rest of your career. This fucking school could be a goddamn office building. It could be a nut house. It could be a school, a precinct. You could dress it up anything you want it to be and just fucking become the Tyler Perry of, of the middle of fucking nowhere in Kansas. You know, none of them bid on it. You know, I can only imagine the fucking problems that are in there. But uh, but you got to see the picture. They're this thing. They still have the old fucking desks in there. When I say old, fucking old. Like Little House in the Prairie old. Maybe not far, that far back. But like desk kids probably used to dive under when they would take like, um, they would do those practice. The Russians are coming to bomb us. Um, anyway, so Milwaukee, known as Cream City because of the Cream City brick. Who... The fuck knew. Um, anyway, so I was, uh, last night, my wife was watching this this friggin' show about a serial killer. And uh, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to watch this right before I go to bed. She's like, no, I just want to see it. It's like really interesting. It came in the middle of it. It was about the Golden State, uh, I almost said warrior. <laughs> Golden State uh, killer. That guy, you know, where he just fucking raped and killed all these fucking women. And then that shit that came along, you know, where you send your DNA into the Internet. One of the dude's relatives sent it in. And it was a close enough match that they knew it was part of the family. And they kind of narrowed it down to this guy. They waited for him to have like a fresca or some shit. And they took the can out of the uh, out of the garbage and they had a, a 100% match, and they fucking caught this guy, right? So I'm watching this documentary, and I got to tell you something. There's something wrong um, with one of the people in that family. I just don't buy anything that they're saying. It seems like they're just saying what they're supposed to be saying, and I got halfway through that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Can being a serial killer... Is that like, you know, if you got like music in your family, if you have a serial killer, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, it skips a generation, but then somebody just sits down and can play the fucking piano, you know, does that happen with like, let me see, let me look that up. Another fucking stupid thing on my goddamn search engine. Um, 
is being a serial killer. Genetic. All right, I'm not the only dumb one who asks this question. Do all serial killers have a genetic predisposed position? No, I mean, is it hereditary? That's what I mean. <laughs> no, no one was dumb enough to ask this. Uh, I don't even know how to spell it. Her, H-E-R, red, R-E-D, red, heredity, hereditarial. What is the, is it B? Oh, my God. No, it just it refuses. Can your genes make you kill? And they don't mean tight genes. This is genes G with a G. All right. That's fucking hilarious. I got to wait for a fucking goddamn Ford pickup ad. Warning, this product is not safe to alternative cigarettes. It was a pickup truck. All right. Um, the killer read his Bible. He drank heavily. It was the fall night of 2006 when so-and-so walked out of his rural trailer in southeastern Tennessee carrying his 22 caliber hunting rifle. His estranged wife and his friend added that, pulled up, dropped up there, washed up right eight times, killing her. He used a knife to cut her head open. He then chased his wife with the knife and a machete. What in the fuck? There he told his frightened children, come tell your mama goodbye. Because it was the last time they'd ever see her. Miraculously, his wife managed to slip his grasp and escape. Is this a movie? Three years later, in a county court, the dude admitted to the whole thing. He said he had snapped. I'm not proud of none of it. He told the jury. <laughs> he convicted of felony murder. He faced the death penalty. To save his life, his legal team took an unusual approach never before. They said he had a generic variant on his X chromosome, the one that coded. All right, well, okay, so you got a bad chromosome. You got to go. Job is breakdown. Jesus fucking Christ. I might as well looked up a fucking recipe. I don't even care anymore. You know, that's my ongoing complaint here. Anytime you're like, hey, what's a good pot roast recipe? You got to go through fucking three pages of, you know, growing up, pot roast was always one of the, the meals that just brought our family together. The smell of it searing in the kitchen. My mother would always hum, me and Mrs. Jones. And that's when we found out she was fucking a fat guy down the street that she called her, her little side pot roast. Anyways, you're going to need two sp- fucking sprigs of thyme. You got to read like a whole goddamn soliloquy. Is that the fucking word? The whole goddamn thing there. Just to get to it. I think you look up, how do, how do you pour cornflakes on milk? You know, cereal f- is really a dividing issue in the breakfast world. I mean, personally, I love it. But there's other people that just cannot handle milk because they're lactose intolerant. Obviously, this really affects the cereal lobby. I remember when I was a kid, my parents wouldn't buy me tricks. So me and my little sister decided to try to make our own tricks. Um, fucking scroll down 10 pages. Take your favorite cereal, pour it into a bowl, add milk. Um, anyway, I, did, I watched a lot of friggin' TV. I didn't see the F1 race. I knew there was an F1 race, but I also knew that Lewis Hamilton was going to win, and he did. 
And now he's like fucking 30 points ahead. I did watch the last lap with that high-pitched guy was just screaming. And Lewis Hamilton's car is falling apart and he still wins the race. He just wins every fucking race. He already has like a fucking 30, 40-point lead. I mean, he's just too goddamn good. The guy won the race on like three tires, like fucking stroke a race. That shit's only supposed to happen in the goddamn... uh, in the, in the in the movies, I actually kind of stopped watching F one because I was starting to have this irrational hatred of Lewis Hamilton simply because he was so fucking good and was winning. He was so good, he was making it boring. And then I'm like, why am I why am I bothered by this guy dominating like this? It's like, well, you know, because I turned on to see a race. I want to see racing. I want to see passing. I want to see excitement. I don't want to see and Lewis Hamilton. Is the first one out of the first turn, and we all know that the race is already over, even though there's 70 laps left. Um, I will tell you a great documentary you got to watch. You got to watch the Robert Foster documentary. Uh, he's this legendary uh, record producer who just has like this gift where he can, you know, hear a hit, make a hit, and all of that. But I'm going to tell you something, man. I, you watch this documentary, this dude is the closest thing to like. If like Ron Burgundy was a was a real person, I mean the guy's fucking ego is like I, I don't even know where to begin. The stories that he told about himself, none of them had a left turn. Every one of them was I had to do this and I didn't have enough time, and I fucking crushed it. <laughs> He's like when I was a kid. My mother played on the piano, and I immediately said, that's an E. And she was like, what? And I was like, that's an E. And she was like, oh, my God, he has perfect pitch. He was telling these stories about himself. Then he told this weird story. I like his fucking, he had like four or five sisters, and his mother every morning would feed them like soggy fucking cornflakes and then make him bacon and eggs with toast every morning. And you're like, oh, well, there it is. You were the little prince and all the other ones were like scrubbing the floor with toothbrushes. And at no point was he sort of alluding like, you know, it was fucked up. She was there playing favorites like that. The best part, right, is all the people around him who are just sitting there talking about how fucking amazing he is. You know, none of them questioning the guy's ego. This one fucking poor woman, I don't know what he had on her, but she's just like, you know, it's about time you did Broadway. I mean, she's literally pointing to a fake watch on her wrist. He's sitting there going like fucking, I don't know. I can't even get it. It it was like, and then Barbara Streisand told me she wanted an album that was all synthesizers. No drums, no bass, no French horn, no bassoon. And I got to tell you. I killed it. (laughs) This guy goes like, he's the greatest keyboard player I've ever heard. And I've played with Herbie. He's talking Herbie Hancock, right? And then they cut to David Foster, and he's working with Chicago. And he literally takes the horn section out of Chicago. He de-balls the fucking band. He's better than Herbie Hancock. And then you're watching Peter Cetera singing one of the songs. I am a man who will fight for your honor. <laughs> it's like, that's better than bow, 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 bip, 
about Bam. Get the fuck out of here. Herbie Hancock played with Miles Davis. This fucking guy who's writing it in I, I Will Always Love You. Um, anyway, check it out if you, if, if you get a chance. Check it out. I mean, it is amazing what the guy has done, but Jesus Christ, what a fucking ego on that guy. And then, oh, then his fucking kids come on. And evidently this guy was like one of the worst fathers ever as far as just like his kids, are, even his kids were sticking up for him though. Maybe it's true. He's going, yeah, I was born. And then he left like six, seven months later. But you know, he's still a great dad. He did the best he could. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, all you need to do is just see the picture that that is promoting the documentary. It's him with like seventy two Oscars. I mean, sorry, uh, what do they? What do you call those fucking music ones? Grammys. And he's just sitting there next to him, like, yeah, I'm this fucking good. <laughs> I got a great idea for a promo, everybody. How about I just sit here with all my trophies? Um, but evidently he wants an Oscar because he wants to be an EGOT. That's another thing. He lists all his trophies and goes, and I still feel my trophy case is a little light. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, gee, why don't you just tell people that it's time for the gun show? Um, anyways, I think the only reason why Chicago didn't get more shit for the songs that they did in the eighties was because Phil Collins was doing all that other stuff. Phil Collins, for some reason, became like the Bee Gees. There's always one band that just takes a fucking pounding. You know, I don't know who it is this decade or last decade. I remember two decades ago, it was like Nickelback. And then the decade before that, who took the pounding? Um, one of those rap metal bands, probably. I got no idea. There's always just somebody just out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden, everybody was buying their albums. Then out of nowhere, they just get a ton of shit. So in the 80s, it was like Phil Collins, maybe Millie Vanilli. Um, in the 70s. Well, I can't, can't say that. I think in the 90s, it's the decade after when people then look back. Going like, hey, man, that band's fucking lame. It's like, oh, the one you, that we all listen to? Now we're all trying to walk away from the style, man. Um, sorry, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about here. It's 22 minutes in. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. To do a little bit of fucking reads here. People, I'm actually, I'm trying to put together a uh, a fucking uh, stand-up tour here. Because at some point, I also have to go out and I got to earn some fucking money here, you know? Got a house to pay for. I'm trying to figure out how I can do it. Like, the show has to go down where nobody at the show gets... Uh, gets COVID, obviously. So that's the part that we're working on. Oh, it's it's easy to protect the person on stage, you know? But it's the people in the crowd there. Um, like, how do you work it? If you get one of these stubborn fucking people that refuses to wear a fucking mask or the ones that walk around wearing the mask and have it underneath their nose, what do you do with that person? Um, I don't know. But the mass shaming is getting crazy. I saw this one, this video on Instagram where these two, what sounded like young people, were just yelling at this fucking, look, the woman looked like a retired witch, this old white lady with like white hair and shit. And they're just yelling at her. It's like, well, you, you fucking leave her alone. She's somebody's grandparent. You know what I mean? She has it. She's going to fucking die from it. 
And they're just hounding her, screaming at her. So then she comes over and she fucking coughs on him, which is inevitable. It's like, how much shit can you give your waitress before you know she's going to spit in your fucking tea? You got to go easy. And they're fucking sitting there yelling at him. Then when somebody coughs, I'm like, call the police. That's it. Call the police. It's, and then they both got fucking charged with being douches. I hope they put him in the same goddamn cell. Um, anyway. What else? I'm sorry. I'm in a fucked up mood because I saw yet another thing happen to a comedian where it's just like it's accusations and then people just like sign off on it before the person can even defend themselves. Now, I mean, I, and this, and you're just sitting there going like, were you there? Aren't you like me? Like, I have no idea if this is true. I have no idea if this happened. I don't know if it didn't happen. I just know there's some people saying something happened. And then my favorite, my favorite fucking thing is the bitter-ass comic, you know what I mean, who uses that situation as an excuse to air their personal feelings about that comedian's act. I mean, how fucking low can you go? Jesus Christ, the fucking, somebody's laying on the side of the fucking road. For all you know, could be innocent, and you take the time to be like, you know, it, it's always like, you know, I can't believe this fucking guy, blah, 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 blah. The shit they've just been accused about. And then there's some sort of criticism about the act. I thought his biggest crime was that he was called a comedian. It's just like, wow. Wow. What kind of fucking person are you? What kind of fucking person are you that you take a fucking, that you'd use, you know, people are trying to suggest it's a sexual assault happened here. And you're going to use that platform so you can get out your fucking bitterness about where your fucking career is at. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. So this person actually made a video. And in the video, you know, the part that I love is they're fucking sitting there saying how the, their people around them were advising him to not say anything. Just let the news cycle pass. It's just like, it, 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 I don't understand why the accused person can't defend themselves. It's, it's fucking nuts. And I don't get how all of these people are signing off like, yeah, this makes sense. This seems like the right solution for this. So I'm actually, you know, happy the person ignored it and actually made a video. And hopefully people will start doing that again and due process will return. And hopefully this time... Due process will actually work for victims if they were actually victims. I mean, isn't that the logical way you should be looking at this rather than just being like, somebody said something happened. All right, that's it. That means it happened. Hey, I'd like to defend myself. No, you shut the fuck up. All I need to hear is an accusation. I don't need any fucking evidence whatsoever. Um. <clears throat> Blows my fucking mind. I understand regular fucking people. They're bored right now. They're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So yeah, throw someone to the lines for my fucking entertainment. But to see fellow comedians jumping on this shit. Um, and you want to be like, oh, so evidently you were there. You know, or did some, I don't know what fucking evidence you have that makes you that fuck. But what it really comes down to, I then fucking see is it always comes down to, they then, they don't like him as a comedian. Um, 
Jesus, what a complete fucking piece of shit person that you would do that to somebody. You know, not saying whether the person accused is innocent or guilty because I have no fucking idea. Um, you know, that's why you have a fucking trial. All right, let's do a little bit of reads here. Let's do some reads. Let's do some reads. All right, Helix, everybody. Helix. All right, not being able to sleep because of today's politics, your love life, and all the other drama. Mention shitty sleeping conditions on the road you've had to deal with. Oh, Jesus Christ. On the road, I've had beds I've been afraid to climb into, and I just you just do it. you got to make it your own. you just got to get your DNA on it. You know, I'll tell you a bad one is when I used to stay in those fucking motels where the doors opened up out into the parking lot, and every time a car would pull up, I'd see the headlights underneath the fucking, underneath the goddamn door, and you're just going like, just one good fucking kick, and that door is going to come flying open, and I am in here without a weapon. I'll tell you, I understand people buying guns. When you fucking stay in a goddamn motel that opens up into the to the goddamn uh, fucking parking lot. Um, anyways, Helix Sleep makes personalized mattresses made right here in America. That's good. We make weed, we make mattresses. And ship straight to your door with a free no-contract uh, delivery. Free returns at a 100-night sleep trial. Gross. Uh, to choose a mattress... Helix, Helix, made a quick quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body types and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Um, if you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, ladies, uh, you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, you sleep really hot. With Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. I love Helix, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020. They did it again by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. Just go to helixsleep.com slash burr, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, 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 life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights. Gross. Risk-free. They'll even pick it up. Gross. And give you a full refund if you don't love it. But you will. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash burr, H-E-L-I-X. Oh, shit. Look who it is. Whoop. Whoop, everybody. Whoop. There it is. Sorry. Uh, if you're going to mention the PGA Tour, this is how we have to technically phrase it. Whoop has been all over the news lately. After the PGA Tour proceeded, oh, procured 1,000 straps for its golfers, caddies, and staff to help everyone at tournaments stay safe throughout this pandemic. Uh, Whoop has been using respiratory rate to help members detect potential signs of illness before other symptoms develop. Thank God. Thank God for science. Whoop can help anyone perform better. Whether it's preparing for a golf match, race, meeting, etc. Whoop can plan out your day and make even smarter life decisions to help you feel better than ever. The Whoop Journal and monthly performance assessment allows you to track the decisions you make during the day and actually see what impact those choices have on your recovery, sleep, and strain. Uh, tracks all four stages of sleep, slow wave, REM, light, and awake, and can tell you how much sleep you've gotten down to the minute. Their sleep tracking has also officially received third-party validations. 
Strain Coach is a feature that allows you to plan your, your workday to hit your target exertion level. This is really fascinating. I almost want to use this for something that I've, I've, I've been doing with my drumming. Uh, hang on a second. Plan the workout that your body is truly ready for. Check your progress in real time and finish the, your workout when Whoop has let you know you've pushed your body hard enough. The key to Whoop is that you wear it all day long and never miss a beat. Whoop has a really smart charging system where the battery pack slides right over the top of the strap so you can never... Oh, they mean like one of those wrist fucking... Th- I, thought, I thought when they said the strap, I thought they meant the strap on the golf bag. Like that's what you touch the most and somehow they came up with a germ-free one. Oh, this is like a Fitbit. You won't ever have to worry about losing a night's sleep or missing a workout. Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code BURR at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter the code BURR, B-U-R-R, to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. That is amazing that they have that technology where you can really break down, like, I mean, like you're turning yourself into a friggin' race car. I mean, as long as they don't share it with anybody. I'm sure they won't. Um... I've been doing this thing with uh, drumming as, as I, I've been, you know, the drum lick that has eluded me forever. And I've really realized it was be- it's, it's the, the Bonham good times, bad times thing that I've been talking about forever. It's just eluded to me because of my practice was flawed. I would try, I, I didn't have the technique and then I would try to go too fast, too quickly. And then I would get discouraged and I would move on to something else and then I would come back and I would do the exact same thing that, you know, led to me not being successful the previous 59,000 times. So what I've been doing is before I play drums is I stretch for like 20 minutes because I'm fucking old. Do a really good long stretch. I get totally relaxed and then I go in the drum room and I just start playing and I play as slow as possible, not as possible, just like really slow and just slowly warm up my, my hands, my feet, legs and the whole thing. And then when I go to do the good times, bad times thing, I just warm up super fucking slow and just gradually increase it. And I don't have any goal other than I am going to practice this lick really slow. And then I'm going to ramp it up to where it's comfortable and then push myself a little bit. And that could be a little bit further than what I did yesterday or it could be a little bit slower. I don't care. I'm just going to fucking do this. So I've been doing that. And when I play, it's like I'm going to be really relaxed. So there's like these two bars that I play when you come out of the solo before he plays that lick fucking 10 times in a row, back to back towards the end of the song. And what I say to myself in those two bars is I just say, as I'm coming up to it, is I just say, I just tell myself to relax. And who gives a shit, you know, if I pull it off, just make sure you get that first one. And what's been happening is, is I'm actually staying relaxed and then when I get that first one and I I come into it relaxed and and I get that first one off I just sort of lock into it and now all of a sudden 
you know, this speed is coming. And I've been able to play it. Um, last night, I got the, the 16th note triplet three times in a row at 90 BPMs, and the song is 95. It's the closest I've ever gotten. I can't play it 10 times in a row, but I did play the 10 times in a row lick um, at 80 BPMs comfortably, and I almost played it at 85 before it sort of crapped out. So now I'm just like, great. So then I went back down to like 75 and I just sort of played the whole song, jumped around the song, I got like the sheet music, and just sort of locked that in that that just feels relaxed and regular. And then I ramped back up to 80, which was way easier at that point. And I just sort of played that. And then I stopped. And uh, I don't know. If just That's been working for me because uh, I've, I've, I think pretty much everything from paradiddles to everything, I never fully got up to speed because I am really fucking impatient and I sit down scatterbrained and there's like 50 fucking things I want to learn how to do. So I do all 50 things for like 18 seconds each and, and nothing really gets better and it all gets fucking, it's all sloppy, you know, then it sounds like shit. So I've had to figure that out about my brain. And now when I sit down, I have to have my brain like totally clear. And I really have to just be like, nope, we're just working on this. We're just working on this. And then I apply a bunch of shit that I learned from Dave Elich back in the day when I, we, I could actually go get a fucking lesson, you know, face to face is, um, I've just I I just applied all of this stuff as far as like relaxing how I'm sitting and um I don't know. I think if you go beyond that, if you have a good teacher, if you really sit there and figure out how your brain works and what you're doing to contribute to not being successful. Um I mean, I came in last night you know, I was like flying. I was like, oh, I can't fucking believe I did that. all this. That's the fastest I ever played that. Um, so that's, that's going to be my new, my new approach, uh, when I'm downstairs. I, I always get nervous when I start talking about drums for too fucking long that people can be like, all right, Bill, we get it. We don't all fucking play drums. All right. Stamps.com, everybody. Uh, as we slowly adjust to the new normal, is this how it's going to be forever? We still need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's stamps.com to make things easier. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. Yeah, you don't have to go to the post office and risk, risk getting infected or passing along the disease. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from their own computers. Stamps.com offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. By the way, why can't everybody just go to work with a mask now? And they just do that thing where they take your temperature. I'm not saying that it's totally foolproof, but like, you know, just to give people a financial fucking break here. Um, anyway, you've heard me talk about Stamps.com. They've been sponsoring the show for over seven years now. And if you haven't tried it, what are you waiting for? Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your own computer and you're the comfort of your own home or office. Whether you're a small business sending invoices and online seller Shipping out products or just working from home and need to to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Once your mail is ready, just leave it to your mail carrier, schedule a pickup, or drop it in the mailbox. It's just that simple. Um, And like I said, with Stamps.com, you get great discounts 
two, five cents off every stamp and up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. Five cents off every stamp. I mean, that's going to add up, people. Every 20 things you send out, you save the dollar, right? Five dollar foot long, right? You send out 100 fucking packages, all of a sudden you got yourself a free sandwich. Right now, our, my listeners are getting uh, get a special offer that includes a four-week uh, trial plus free postage. Right now, uh, my listeners... Oh, I just read that. Uh, right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R, that's stamps.com, enter Burr. All right. Now it's time. Now it's time to say goodbye. Did I read all the ones? I guess I did. I guess I did. I got to get into hockey. I'm actually psyched that Philly fan wrote in that shit. You know, get me going here. Um, guest in own home. All right, here we go. Hey, Bill, I hear you on the wife feeling like you're a guest in your own home. I'm an airline pilot and have been home way more than ever, which I took as a good thing, but apparently I'm screwing up her and the kids' routine. I just keep biting my tongue thinking what the routine would be like if someone wasn't off working to pay for all this shit. (laughs) Rant over. Love the podcast. Stand up and F is for family. Thanks and go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, you got... You need to understand her and she needs to understand you because, like... um, I always see like with professional uh, sports athletes, right? Professional athletes. Um, They provide an amazing, obviously, lifestyle for everybody to be living. But then like they're not home a lot. So what happens is everybody gets into this fucking groove that doesn't involve you. And then all of a sudden you come home and then, yeah, you do disrupt it. So, uh, yeah, so there's that weird thing that she is right that you are disrupting the routine, but, you know, it would be nice if she also acknowledged that you're paying for the routine. Uh, but that's not how it works. You know, I found that when you when you actually make a good point with the woman, that automatically means that you just somehow threw something in their face rather than you brought up a point to defend your own position. Well, you don't need to throw it in my face. I didn't throw anything. I just said it. Trying to give you a little bit of perspective. It sounds to me like you on some level think what I just made was a great point and you can't really refute it. So now what you're going to do is act like I was, uh, that somehow by me bringing up a great point to shine a light on my position is somehow being rude to you. Am I supposed to just sit here and be a fucking punching bag? Um... That is fucking amazing that you're a fucking airline pilot. So you probably have like 300 people's lives in the palm of your hand for the better part of anywhere from three to six hours. And you have to handle that. You have to fly instrument every fucking flight, right? Anything above, oh my God, I already forget. Anything above 18,000 feet, I think you you automatically fly instrument. Um, I don't know, but I'm back into flying, baby. I'm flying twice a week and I wish I was flying three times a week. Um, my auto rotations are getting really, really good. Last time I flew, um, I was really working on that last part of it where I don't bring the nose up, 
you know, and make my RPMs go up and I lose my airspeed to stay level and just wait to do that, that flare. Um, once I get that down, once I get that down, then, then there's the last little part, just leveling out and pulling power right before you set, settle down onto the ground. Um, I had a, did a great flight, went out to the Camarillo airport, um, the last time. And I used this four flight app that I, I literally sat down and I watched this guy give like a, an hour and seven minute instructional thing on. And now I, I get it. And one of my favorite things about the app is they actually have a 3d picture of whatever airport. So if you're not familiar with the airport, you can actually look and get a, a, a 3d visual of what the approach is going to look like. Uh, you combine that with the map of the airport, and then you, you take an airport that you were totally unfamiliar with. Um, I would never say that I'm familiar now because I hadn't gone to it before or hadn't gone to it in a while, but you're just so much, you have this picture in your head. You got all the uh, taxiways and everything, you know, the runways and you got the whole fucking layout. And um, I actually feel confident now because that's one of the ones that's really busy a lot. And uh, I would get anxiety when I would come in there because you want to talk quickly. You don't want to step on anybody and you don't want to have to have the tower repeat anything to you. So what I would normally do is just transition, which means I would just ask to fly through their airspace, which is the easiest thing. Um, but this past time, I actually did some pad work at the north pad that they they have there or whatever. And um, I had a great time. Although I, I got a little frustrated with some stuff. What I'm really learning is it's just like drumming is that, you know, I've really been like holding on too tight with the controls is you want to be like the looser you are, the more information you can take in as far as like what the helicopter is telling you um most importantly which way the wind's coming from and i started to do that last time because i had a couple you know i came back it was, it was just like the first times i soloed where i would go into the downwind and all of a sudden the fucking low rpm horn would come on and i think oh my god i'm having a fucking engine failure and it was just because i was gripping the throttle too tightly and i was overriding the governor and uh, I did that a couple of times, so I really had to think about it. But, like, all my instructors have always said you're going to be, like, with your feet on the pedals to have all your weight, like, on your heels, like, super light. And when you're pushing down either your left or your right foot, the other foot is not even touching the um, – it's barely touching, I should say, the other pedal. And um, I don't know. Like you, you just want to, like – because I don't know what it is, like – I don't know, the, the more nervous you are, the less comfortable you are, the more rusty you are, just the tighter you're holding on to that thing. And then exactly what you don't want to do, which is fight the thing, ends up fucking happening. And it's the same thing as like playing some drum lick that's super fucking fast, is if you tense up, it just all goes to shit. So um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm flying a couple times a week. I'd like to fly three. Three would be fucking huge for me as far as... Um, you know, because it always ends up being like a three, four day layoff as opposed to like if I flew every other day, how good I could get would be awesome. So um, but I also have responsibilities here at home. So we'll figure it out. Anyway, I'm babbling now, babbling on. All right. Let's read the next one here. All right. Aging out. Of, oh, sorry. Guest in, in own home. Hey, Bill, I hear you on the white. Oh, no. Sorry. I already read that one. OK. Aging out of MotoGP. Uh Hey, hey there, Billy uh, Burkez instead of Marquez. 
Love your stuff, yada, yada. What makes Rossi's age impressive is, okay, so Valentino Rossi is like 41 years old and he's still competing at uh, the highest level in motorcycle racing in the world and he gets on the podium still like once a season or so. Um, so I was like, well, you know, it is the machine and all that. What is, what is it about his age? Why is it so hard to keep riding at his age? Does your body break down? Um, taking all those G's, obviously falling off the bike and shit. So anyways, the person says, Hey, the usual stuff that a lot of, this is what makes it impressive. The usual stuff that a lot of athletes go through injuries that build up over the years, senses not being as sharp as they used to be. I didn't think of that getting tired of the travel in the media circus, but also B, since he started riding in the lower classes in 1996, it's incredible. Uh, there have been endless changes to the rules regarding tires, electronics, engine sizes, and tracks coming and going from the calendar. Yeah, that's like a Belichick thing, like how you're successful for that long, because usually you win a couple Super Bowls, all the other coaches break down what you're doing and totally steal what it is that works. Um, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, C, uh, in MotoGP right now, there's an insane amount of young talent coming through the lower ranks. Uh, Fabio, that's uh, Quattararo, was 19 when he entered the top class. He won the Junior World Championship, the class below Moto2 and Moto3, twice in a row at age 13. Oh, that'd be fucking cool to watch. Can you watch that anyway? I would love to see 13-year-old kids, future stars, fucking ripping it up. Um, he won at age 13 and 14. Mark Marquez was one of the youngest world champions ever in 2013 at the age of 20. He won the MotoGP thing. Uh, it isn't that riding at his age is impressive. Uh, the top Isle of Man TT riders are 30, 40, 48, and 51, and that shit is crazy. What's impressive is that he's been able to adapt to the changes in bikes, tires, and riding styles over the years while staying competitive with the younger guys. Cheers. Come to Japan sometime and go fuck yourself. Oh, I'd love to go to Japan. And one of my favorite riders, I already forget his name because I'm new to the sport, is a great Japanese rider in MotoGP who had an incredible race, I think the first one. Um, it's always good to see new blood coming up in the ranks. Uh, yeah, Japan is definitely, definitely on the list. Um, I got to make that happen, obviously, when it's when we go back to the old normal. Um, Anyway, all right. Guys who won't let you split the check. Oh, wait, there's a great documentary too out there about um, the year Mark, uh, sorry, Valentino Rossi switched from Honda to I think he went to Yamaha or Suzuki. I think it was Yamaha. So, um, you know, he he was winning and he was just the shit and he was riding for Honda which is like Lewis Hamilton, who's the shit, and he's driving for Mercedes. So there's a lot of critics of F1 who are saying, you know, Lewis Hamilton wouldn't be as nearly dominant if he was driving for somebody else because Mercedes is the best. And then it's also like, well, Lewis Hamilton is also the best. So Mercedes wouldn't be winning at the same clip, you know? And I think both Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton would obviously agree to that, right? Well, the the dumbasses at Honda... In early, uh, this is funny, after I just gave a shout-out to Japan. Um, I'm not saying they're still dumbasses, but they made a dumbass move where I guess Valentino Rossi was getting too much fucking credit, they felt, and they said, hey, it's not just the rider, it's also the bike. They made some. They alluded to something that, well, he is driving, riding a Honda. 
So that pissed off Valentino Rossi, and he switched to Yamaha, and everybody thought he was nuts because I guess Yamaha, wherever the fuck he switched to, wasn't um, winning shit. And not only did he go over there and made, immediately made them a winner, he won the championship the very next year, which from what I can tell is unheard of, having what little I know, watching F1 and watching an, an amazing driver like Daniel Ricciardo, you know, switch from Red Bull team to, uh, who the fuck is he with now? I forget who he's with. He was with Renault last year, and this year I think he switched again. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's literally like football, where if you, like one of the worst things to be is the top QB prospect in a draft because you're going to go to some shit fucking team with no offensive line, and then people, how the, who knows how good you could have been if you were maybe the third-ranked guy and you actually went to a competitive team that had an offensive line with an older quarterback and they worked you in, you know, and you had a good quarterback coach. You didn't have fucking a new QB coach every fucking year. Um, like happens to a lot of people out here. So that really is interesting. Anyways, all right, guys who won't let you split the check. Uh, what's up, Bill? Love the podcast. Okay, one thing that I find extremely annoying is the, the guys have to pay convention on dates. I'm in college and the guys I date are in college, so I know that neither of us having that much money, neither one of us had that much money to spare. It seems kind of fucked up to me that being in a relationship is like a money-saving tool for women and a huge financial burden for men. Uh, yeah, I would say that. I think it was that way back in the day because women weren't allowed to work and then also, once you married a guy, like, he could fucking lord over you when you were, like, his property. So to, to you couldn't even vote. I mean, to try and balance it out somehow is you had to go out and go buy, buy the sarsaparillas. Um, anyway, some guys are animate, adamant about paying for dates. I always was. Even when you're sincerely, sincerely offering to split. Parentheses, not some fake, oh, my God, no, you don't have to do that bullshit. All right, is this like the coolest chick ever? She wants to pay. She's owning up to the fact that chicks do shit like that. All right, which, and this is what I wish happened in politics. So they wouldn't be screaming and yelling. Where you could just be like, uh, hey, you know, you know, Obama fucking drone bombed some weddings and, uh, you know, he kind of blew the oil companies. Okay, I can definitely give you that. You know, having said that, you know, this guy Trump's a little out of line here. Um, you know, then you could actually maybe have a fucking conversation instead of screaming at some old lady because she's not wearing a fucking mask. She's going to be dead soon. Just leave her alone. Uh, anyways, which also puts me in a weird spot because it feels like since they bought me, bought my meal, now I owe them sex. Yes. Like prostitution, but with food as an, uh, intermediate step, all that considered, what do you say to a dude? to actually convince him to let you pay for yourself. Um, I don't know what you say, because th- that's a weird thing. That's got to be a weird thing for a woman where a guy insists to pay, because then you got to be sitting there going like, all right, what do I have on my hands here? Do I have an old school gentleman who's going to take his coat off and let me step on it as he walks over a mud puddle, whatever the fuck that is? Um, or... 
do I have somebody that's going to be shoving their dick in my face because they paid for my fucking uh, steamed spinach here? I mean, that's a hell of a thing. Hey, that's, see, this is why I wish more women wrote in on this fucking podcast. Well, Bill, maybe if you didn't trash them every 10 seconds, they'd, they'd fucking listen to this shit. Uh, fair enough. <clears throat> um, yeah, because that's interesting that then you, you're going to be sitting there being like, okay, I'll let you pay for this, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know... <laughs> You can take old Hank out in fucking 20 minutes when we're back in your Prius. Um, yeah, I, I just, I would tell you this. At this point, um, I, the way things are now, I, I would be terrified as a young guy out there as far as just like, all right. You know, you, I, I'll tell you this to all the young guys out there. If you even get a hint of vindictiveness or craziness, you, you got you to gotta just fucking walk away. Like De Niro and Heat. You just got to stand up and just fucking, you just fucking walk. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. And then women, I don't know. You got to come up with some sort of fucking, uh, it's gotta be, there's got to be some sort of, well, that doesn't really work if the guy's a monster. I don't know. There's really no solution because human beings, male and female, are just inherently fucking flawed. Um I will say to women out there, young women out there that are dating and all that shit, you know, there's plenty of fucking dojos out there where you could learn some fucking grappling and jujitsu. I mean, that's my thing. I really think every fucking woman on, uh, should learn how to do that shit. Uh, then they probably abuse that power too. But, you know, whatever. I'm just saying. Like, you could fucking, you know, when somebody is going to sexually assault you, they got to get in close. All right? So if you're good at fighting on your back, and you can put that person in an arm bar and there's no ref to tap out. You fucking blow out his elbow. That's it. Nothing kills a hard on like a broken fucking arm. <laughs> or just put him in a triangle. I mean, I got to tell you, I would think no matter how much a guy outweighs you, once you, I mean, I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I, I should ask Rogan this, but like at what level belt Okay, does weight class not matter if the other person has no grappling skills whatsoever, has no idea like, oh, fuck, they just did that, which means in another half a second, I'm going to be in a triangle or an armbar unless I do this. <clears throat> I just think that would put you at like a tremendous, tremendous fucking advantage. Um, that's something I really want to do, uh, you know, with my kids. I hope my... Uh, I hope that, you know, these fucking, this thing ends soon and you can just teach your kids how to, you know, defend themselves against, you know, psychos in life. And then you just teach them, like, never abuse this power and all that shit, which I think is part of the dojo's responsibility down there. But I, I would definitely say that. Okay, hey, now you know how to choke people out. Just don't go fucking walk around choking people out. Um, that's another thing, too. What if you knew your kid was a psycho? Do you then fucking let him learn how to do that you can't have some cobra kai kid jesus it's a fucking quagmire all right father-in-law offers car uh dear billies are us congrats on baby number two thank you um he is amazing by the way he is amazing and watching my daughter interact with them is just one of the coolest things ever she's head over heels for him it's so awesome um uh, anyways i'm 30 years old and just married the woman of my dreams congratulations she loves the outdoors 
is dro- a drop dead 10 and is in residency to become a surgeon to boot. Dude, you fucking hit the lottery. I work in the nonprofit sector and, and loved it, but was unfortunately laid off due to COVID. Sorry to hear that. I haven't owned a car for ages because I live in a PNW city with great public transportation. What is a PNW city? What in the fuck does that mean? That Like, I'm supposed to know that? PNW meaning. It says PNW serial killers? Oh, so Pacific Northwest. That's hilarious that I just looked up PNW and immediately said fucking serial killers. All right, Pacific Northwest City with great public transportation and protected bike lanes. Don't worry, I'm a biker who stops at stop signs and I don't wear that silly spandex shit. Dude, I love a bike lane. I wish they actually had them here in L.A. instead of spray painting bicycles on the street. Um, And like, there's your bike lane. New York City has some great bike lanes where you're on the other side of parked cars. I mean, it's fucking amazing. Jersey barriers and all of that shit. Anyways, my new father-in-law reached out and has offered his 2002 Lexus with 130,000 miles on it for just below Kelly Blue Book value. It's a good deal, but I worry he might hold it over my head in some strange way. We haven't always gotten along for a few reasons. He's an asshole. He talks down to my wife. He believes if you aren't furthering science, you're not really working. Do I buy it? Fuck no. Thanks, and I hope the family is doing well. No, fuck this guy. If what you're saying about this guy, he's an asshole. He talks down to my wife. No, fuck this guy. For all you know, this this is the type of guy, if what you're saying about him is true, there's something wrong with the car. You know, and I had a buddy of mine, I remember a long time ago, way back in the fucking day, a buddy of mine when I was a kid, uh, he bought a BMW off a doctor. And we were kids, man. When I say kids, we were still, you know, teens, early 20s. And he sold it to my buddy, and I remember we were driving home. I saw this blue smoke coming out the, a couple times out of the back. And I was like, all right, it's burning a little oil, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, it just started sitting weird in the back. And uh, finally, a buddy of ours knew about cars. He put it up on the fucking the lift there. And they saw that it had been in a major fucking accident and the frame had been bent. And this guy didn't disclose any of that. So the fact that this guy is a scientist... Um, you know, and I, you know, it's in defense of him in this time, if you aren't furthering science as far as working on a cure COVID, I mean, it's probably the most important work right now, as far as the world economy goes, but uh, I would not do that. I wouldn't do it. I, if, you know, if you got money to buy a used car, I would buy something else somewhere else. Um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I fucked it. You don't, you don't want that guy getting in any clothes. You got you to keep a guy like that at, at arm's distance. I really believe that. You, you're cordial. You have to respect that that is the, the, the father of the woman that you're going to marry and all of this shit or that you married or whatever. Um, you know, so you always got to be respectful. Hello, goodbye. But you don't got to let him in. Um, all right. Worried about college. Okay. Hey, Bill, I love the MMP. And I've watched your Conan appearances at least a million times. Oh, thank you. Conan's the best. Uh, I'm a 17-year-old girl, and I'll be a junior at the University of Florida. All right, go Gators, by the end of 2020. 
Go Gators, she writes. Um, I took a ton of, of advanced lesson, classes in high school, and now I'm three years ahead. What? I'm a 17-year-old girl. I'll be a junior. She's crushing it. At first, I thought this was great. The faster I start school, the faster I finish, right? I didn't want to waste my entire youth slaving over textbooks. My issue is that I've been so focused on academics that I lost out on a lot of the experiences my friends were having in high school. I didn't go to parties, prom, homecoming, football games, or even my graduation ceremony. I'll stress that this wasn't because of my parents. I'm just insanely introverted, and none of these things seemed appealing. Well, I can relate because I didn't go to most of those things either. Um, Now I'm basically a socially awkward weirdo, and I'm worried I'll be 50 uh, before I even have my first kiss. Everyone says college is the best time of their life, so how do I put myself out there so that I can make some friends and maybe even find a special fella? Ah, that's adorable. Thanks. And I think it's pretty mean that people are always telling you to go fuck yourself. Look at you. You got a good heart. You're motivated. I'll tell you this right now. You're a catch and a half. All right? So any guy's going to be lucky to be with you. So I was totally introverted. You just have to like, you got to forgive yourself and not beat yourself up that you're introverted and that you're shy. So... Just to start putting yourself out there, baby steps. You know, what about Bob? Just baby steps your way out there and gradually, you know, open up. You know, if you don't speak up in class, just say, all right, I'm going to answer one question today. And I'm going to get over that. And I mean, that's how I did it. Now I baby stepped my way into being a comedian. I started any opportunity I had to take a public, perf- any, any class that I knew where I was going to stand up and speak in front of the class, I would do it. And um, once I made that decision, um, I started to have, you know, I allowed myself to be not good at it. I allowed myself to be embarrassed, get dry mouth and all of that stuff. Once I was just like, okay, all this stuff's going to happen and all of this stuff is normal because of the way I'm wired. I just need to to move the ball an inch in the direction I want to go every day, right? And once I did that, I, I, I grew by leaps and bounds as far as like my confidence. So this is something that is, um, is a great thing that you can work on and it's totally fixable. And then also uh, just start going to some Florida Gator games. You know, I heard the SEC might have some games this year. Just go to the games. Um, put it out there that you want to go to the games, but you need a crew to go with. You'll fall in with some people. Now, here's the thing. Considering you've been introverted and all that, I'm a little worried that you're going to fall in, you know, with some, you know. Nah, I'm not worried. You know what? You're going to. Here's the thing. Just go with your gut when it comes with friends. All right. If you're feeling that the people you're with are cool and they're good people and you're clicking with them, continue to hang out with them. If if they're not, don't be afraid to fucking move on. Um. It's no different than being in a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend with somebody, you know, it's, you just got to listen to your gut. So there you go. So congratulations. You'll be fine. Um, All right. Rambo helicopter. Bill, with your knowledge and understanding of helicopters, yeah, pretty limited. uh, What's your take on helicopter scenes in Rambos, in the Rambos? Well, I always loved them, obviously. Um, This is what I'll say about not specifically Rambo, I'll just say in general in movies is 
when somebody's getting chased and then they run over and just start, they start up a helicopter like it's a fucking car and then they just drive away. Um, that's the fucking most hilarious thing, especially if it's like a turbine engine, like a jet engine, like, you know, there's a whole startup procedure that I've watched. You should check it out. Look up uh, a star 350 startup procedure. And there's a thing when you go to start it up where the engine is heating up and uh, it gets up to a certain temperature, like 700 degrees, and then you have to back it down or something like that, roll down the throttle uh, for a few seconds before rolling it back up, or you could actually burn down the fucking helicopter. You could actually have a fire because of what's going on in the background. Um, So whenever I watch one of these movies and somebody gets in, even if you fly what I fly, it's, there's a whole startup procedure, especially if the fucking engine is, is like ice cold and, um, you know, you got to let the belts roll up. You got to let, you know, you roll up the power. They got attention. The, the, the clutch light has to come out. There's a whole startup procedure. I mean, you can just, you can fucking do it. I guess you could just do it. It's not good for the engine or anything else, and I would be nervous about that. But I guess, you know, if my option was getting eaten by fucking zombies. Um, but even then, it takes a little bit for it to roll up to fucking speed. That That's my only issue about it. And then also, whenever they shoot out the fucking tail rotor, and then the person just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins, you know, any helicopter pilot, unless they were brand new, the second you start spinning is you, you roll down, to the detent is what they call it. So then it's basically like putting it in neutral. So now what's keeping the main rotor turning is the ship falling rather than uh, the torque of the engine. So whatever, you've, you've rolled down to neutral. So neither one of those, the, the, um, the tail rotor not working now and the main rotor still spinning, you're not dealing with the, uh, the engine turning that anymore. So there's no torque wanting to turn the, the ship in the opposite direction that the main rotor is turning. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, you would roll down, and then with your pedals, what you had left from the... Oh, wait, what if they sh- oh, wait, no, they shot it out, so then you don't have that. Maybe you would. I don't know. I've never had my tail rotor shot out. Um, so, anyway, it's just, you know, you know what? I talked long enough that you ended up learning how li- what little I know about fucking helicopters. I know more than the average person, but I don't know shit. And that is a great way to go up in life. Just know you don't know shit, because then you'll be open... To learn new shit. By the way, uh, Mrs. Jones was written by a guy named, uh, or was performed, I should say, by Billy Paul. Um, And I actually went down a rabbit hole listening to that guy, and I learned about some other singers that I had never heard of. Like, if you Google Billy Paul, he ends up, he talks about the um, singers that he was influenced by. And what's really cool is it's really a lot of female singers because he feels that they did more with their voices, which I thought was really interesting. And then he brought up this guy. Uh, shit, where the hell is he? Let's see here. Nina Simone, Johnny Mathis, the Elder Style, Silkiness. Um, and then there's a guy, Jesse Belvin. He said, one of my favorites. They used to call him Mr. Easy, Jesse Belvin. And this guy helped write Earth Angel. And unfortunately, he did a show in Arkansas. He was died when he was 27. Got into a head-on uh, collision in a car. And back then, you know, 
Those cars were just, you know, the engine just went right into your fucking chest. Uh, had a head-on collision and died, unfortunately, at 27. Super talented kid. Um, he did a, a mixed-race show. Him and another, I think, uh, African-American act. And these old racist white dudes showed up, yelled a bunch of shit at the stage, which you know was the N-word and a bunch of other ugly shit. And then were kept pleading with the white kids to get up and leave. And um, there's a theory that he had his tires slashed and that's what caused the accident. And if that's fucking true, man, what kind of a fucking human being could do that to somebody like and feel no guilt about it? And at the end of their life, you know, if you have have any sort of belief in any sort of a high power, not think that you're going fucking directly to hell for that one. Um, Fucking brutal. So. I don't know. I got to tell you, I wish I was better at writing scripts because to me, that's like, there's a fucking movie and a half there. Like, what happened? Like, no no investigation? Just, I don't know. How the fuck did they figure out all these years later? Or did people know back then that it was possibly the tires were slashed? I don't know. There's been something to possibly look up. Jesse Belvin, J-E-S-S-E-B-E-L-V-I-N. Um, all right. That's the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's so great that sports are back and I'm hearing this news that they're able to test, get test results quicker. I think that that's going to be our way out of it. Just, it's going to be testing and, um, eventually the quicker you can test people and the more inexpensive it is, the quicker you'll be able to figure out who has it, who doesn't in your quarantine. And I think we're going to get out of this stuff. All right. And if that, you know, don't yell at people who don't aren't wearing fucking masks. I mean, I understand getting them out of stores. I get that at this point. And I understand why people are yelling because financially everybody's fucking hurting at this point. Um, but screaming at them is not going to, it's not going to help. I mean, look at me. I tried to fucking make fun of them and I, and I, I never got more negative fucking shit in my life. Uh, I will say to people who don't think you should be wearing a mask to maybe watch some international sports and you'll see that everybody is wearing masks. And uh, so you don't think that it's a conspiracy against your guy, which I understand why you would think that because he has been under attack the entire fucking time, as all presidents have been since uh, Bill Clinton. You're just under attack the entire time you're trying to run the country, which is not fucking helping us out. All right. But anyways, that's it. That's the fucking podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. Go fuck yourselves, and uh, I'll check in on you on Thursday. See you.